Okay. Okay, for real. Okay, no, for real this time. No, 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 no. (laughs) Jake, I need you to sleep. Three, two, two, one. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, and welcome (laughs) back to another fun, flirty, fabulous episode of This This Isn't isn't Therapy, therapy. the podcast dedicated to all things mental health. Why? Well, it's because therapy themes are everywhere you look. That's right. My name is Jake Ernst. Hello, hi. You can follow me at MSW Jake. I forgot to say I'm a therapist in Toronto, but that's fine. It's out of order. Please follow the doll and get in touch. Okay. My name is Simon Palak, and you can follow me at mouthnoises. No, um, you can follow me <laughs> <laughs> at Directed by Simon, and you can follow this podcast at Not a Therapy Podcast on the Instagram. Now, mouth noises, mouth Ooh. noises, Ooh. <laughs> ASMR, huh? Um, what? What's the next line? <laughs> This is the podcast. The podcast dedicated to all things mental health. We, no, we talk about uh, amazing uh, therapy themes. We reach into the therapy room. <gasps> yes, ka-ching, ka-ching. We get our grubby little paws, our manicure mm. claws, and Ching. we pull out a theme every week. We pull out a theme and we talk about it here on the pod. On yep. today's episode, we are talking about something that I think we're not talking about enough, and it could also be considered a little bit socially taboo. To focus on it too much. Doesn't it kind of feel that way sometimes? We're talking about men's mental health. And let's probably specifically label, we're talking about like boys' mental health. I think that's a great place to start. Yeah. Um, for today. And you know, sometimes we do episodes where we we get some story submissions from our lovely listeners. And we've been kind of on a story submission kick for a while. Um, but today's episode, we're gonna base our conversation in an article and I don't know if I'm going to be able to pronounce this person's name correctly, the person who wrote this article. So like jump in, Jake, let me know. Um, so this one is off of this thing called Substack and it's titled Taking Mental Health of Boys Seriously. And it's by someone named, hold on, it's taking me a second. Um, <laughs> Jake <laughs> Ernesto. You're... You're too much. You're way. Do you know too how much. to? Do you know yeah. how to pronounce their name? I think I think I do. Yeah, I I wrote an article on Substack called "Taking the Mental Health of Boys Seriously." We're going to talk about it today. We're going to get into some of the statistics, the statistics, mm. and we're going to talk about I think uh, an important conversation that I think needs to be surfaced more because it's having really detrimental impacts on just the ways that we all connect, and uh, that's boys' mental health, and so. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Okay. So before we go in, Mm -hmm. I just want to say once again, Jake and I, we are, we are not the experts. We are just here to have a casual Kelly conversation. We're just trying to, um, you know, have fun, but not make fun. So we encourage you to read the article yourself, form your own opinions, have your own thoughts. Um, 
And so the conversation for today about mental health of boys and men um, is doesn't start and stop just here. I think we're just trying to tackle from a surface level. So let's get into it, Jakey. Tell me, tell me about the what. What what are you noticing about mental health of boys? Um, and maybe throw throw some facts, throw some fact factoids mm-hmm. my way. Some factotums. Um, we yeah. Uh, yeah I, one of the th- one of the things. So I for people who don't necessarily follow me that closely or know my work that that well. Um, I, I do. I'm actually, literally actually, walking like right behind you, breathing down your neck every single right. day. I, I, I follow with, you so closely. <laughs> I work with a lot of I work with a lot of boys um, in my work, and specifically teenage boys and their families. And I would say that a lot of the the themes that sort of come up in this work is the sort of notion of boys who come to therapy and they're kind of like people like tell me that I should be here. I don't really know why. I don't really know what I should work on. I don't really know uh, what I need to do, but I know I need to change something. And so that's sort of like factoid number one, which is that we're seeing a lot more boys coming to therapy, which I think is really, really great and all really good. And I think in terms of our ability to assess uh, what is actually sort of going on here? The way that I, the way that I personally do that, as I sort of look into the culture and I look at some of the statistics and trends that are happening among just the general population of boys, uh, in order to surface, like, okay, what what forms of this are showing up in the clients that I'm working with? And mm-hmm. so I would say that uh, number one, we know that uh, boys are more likely to be diagnosed with ADHD and learning disabilities, whereas girls are more likely to be diagnosed with mental health conditions. And so. Part of, I think, a really important aspect of boys' mental health is boys' executive functioning, meaning that uh, the executive functions are the different skills that we all have as humans, all of us people. You and I are using executive functioning skills right now to be able to talk to each other, to be <laughs> able to relate. Yeah. Um, okay. And so what we're, what, we're, what we're seeing is that there is a, uh, a decrease in executive functioning skills that are happening across the board. And that's affecting boys at school. It's affecting boys uh, in education. And it's also impacting the rates at which boys uh, go to college, university, or post-secondary education. It's also impacting the rates of graduation for boys in grade 12. We're seeing a decline in graduation rates. We're also seeing a decline in enrollments in those post-secondary institutions. And then we're also seeing a major decline in the amount of boys that complete the degrees after getting enrolled. And so I would say that one of the one of the big trends I'm noticing, and maybe perhaps we can just start here, because I'm curious about your reaction to it, um, mm. is, yeah, this sort of notion of what is happening with boys at school and why is it that boys are not, you know, reaching their full potential in a school in our, or education environment. And so in terms of the therapy piece, I'm seeing this as just a big layer. I'm not here to make causal connections. I'm not here to sort of make conclusions about um, this is A causes B, but I'm curious to like, just to hear your opinion just on like boys in school and all that, just as a starting point. How do you, the for me, I kind of, uh, the executive function piece, like what what's happening that is preventing boys from developing those executive function skills? Like is something what's blocking them now that wasn't really necessarily something that we had to deal with like 20 years ago or 10 years ago. 
let, let me zoom out for a second so that I can zoom in on the answer to your question. Uh, executive functioning uh, skills are developed from the bottom up in the brain. And so when the top of the brain is fully developed by around 25 to 28, that is when it's said to be the, the brain is fully developed. And that's because the top of the brain um, and a lot of those skill sets aren't developed until we are that age. And so what is until we're 25, 28? 25 to 28 years old, yeah, are, are, are when our, our executive function capacities kind of reach their full, uh, let's say, potential. And so what happens is, you know, in high school, we are undergoing major, major brain construction. We are learning at really rapid rates. There are some, uh, there is data to suggest that teenagers are growing at the same rates that babies are, which is like really difficult to maybe like conceptualize because we're talking about brain development, something you can't see, but mm -hmm. in babies, you can see it because the physical development is just so clear, right? The, the growth yeah. is so obvious. Well, and as so, a teenager myself, like I can't, right. don't worry, <laughs> yeah, like I teen. don't have a problem visualizing, <laughs> yeah. like I know it's my reality. As a baby teen. Yeah. As a baby teen, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and so part of, we're, we're all, um, you know, have experiencing executive dysfunction uh, from time to time. And the modern world and just the way that the, the world is set up right now um, causes stress. It increases the stress chemistry in our brain and that um, affects our ability to access the executive functioning parts of our brain. So okay, even what adults, are the executive function parts of our brain? Yeah, so there are eight to nine of them depending on who you ask. Oh my I, God. I, can't, I can't list them and rhyme them off by memory, but... Yes, um, are, you should be able to. They are things like self-management, emotion <laughs> regulation, self-control, uh, our ability to plan and organize ahead, our ability to initiate and shift tasks, um, our memory um, comes into that. And really, it's just all about, you know, what are the things that, that are the features of being an emotional uh, adult and also a cognitively capable adult? And so, so what's the, happening then with hmm. boys that they're not developing that at fa as as comprehensive as, as a as a rate as girls, for example? It's a great question, and I don't think that we're like as a as a world we're fully um, have enough data to to really support the final conclusions. What okay. I am cautious of, though, is to not collapse this into single causes. I think there are many different reasons. Part of the part of the reason is that. Uh, childhood is stressful um, mm -hmm. and a lot more stressful than it has been in the past. I think that modern technology is really creating this sense of uh, difficult development in kids. And in addition to that, I think that because, and, and it, you know, this is going to get political for just a second, but I, I do think that the, the different waves of feminism like have also caused us to focus on girls, girls' education, girls thriving. And so there are a lot of um, people who are suggesting um, this statement, which I, which I generally actually do agree with, which is that um, in terms of equity, boys are more disadvantaged in the education system, whereas women are more disadvantaged in the workplace. And so I think that there is um, a lot of data that, that suggests that boys in the education system aren't experiencing the same advantages as girls are. And part of that is because the ways that we experience puberty and our social and cognitive development at those ages. And some of it is also in, in the ways that we socialize boys. 
Mm. And some of the ways that we socialize boys causes them to experience something called gender role strain. They, the, just the stress or the strain of being a boy in this culture uh, creates some of the challenges that we're discussing. I can see how something like what you just said can be very polarizing right off the bat. Um, I wonder, I wonder though, this is sort of like a larger thing is like, why I can hear how someone just, just a statement about like, you know, mm -hmm. boys are more disadvantaged here. Girls are more disadvantaged here. I wonder if just even like our approach with collecting information like this, like it almost sounds like we have to put these two, like boys are this girls are this like in competition with each other. So it's like, which one is more disadvantaged and why and what yeah. and X, Y, Z where I almost feel like that could be possibly part of like the distracting from like the, what, what, what would it mean if, if that were true? And then how can we address both of the problems at the same time without them having to compete for the same amount of resources? Right. Like, yeah, what do you, it's fascinating. It's, it's interesting because we kind of do this a lot, don't we? Where we kind of jump between like, this is how we think. And now this is how we think. And I wonder, I wonder if this is kind of like the start off the bat, like why this would be such a controversial air quotes kind of topic of this conversation, right? Because we're kind of, uh, we understand that like men for a very long time have had everything, right? Yeah. And there's not, you know, that's not untrue. Um, what's also true is that we're seeing that like, we're obviously not taking as much time to help our boys emotionally develop or meet their their unique needs just as much as how we have maybe in the past have not done that with girls in more like systemic larger ways and it just feels like we keep instead of making big large changes where we can make sure that all the all the problems are solved we just keep moving the spotlight between like, this is now what we're going to focus on. This is now yep. what we're going to focus on. And I wonder, that's just a large, broad statement, but I just wonder what, how do we, how do we address these things if we don't, I don't know, if we kind of allow, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this, but. It's an interesting question, just given, given that there is, of course, a history um, that all of this is, should be taken in context, right? That. I think that the presence of one truth isn't meant to negate the presence of another truth. And so right. I will just surface something that has been said many times on this podcast, which is that many things are true and yeah. both things can be true in parallel. And I think that part of the challenge, and this is even just that executive functioning piece as well, is that part of the way that the brain works is that we can really only hold so many things in our mind at one time. Right. And I think that that is, it's just a, a funny little, ironic aspect of this conversation, right? Which is that even just like the brain as it's fully developed can only hold so many truths at once. And yeah. you're right about the spotlight effect. If we're constantly sort of shifting the flashlight to focus on different issues, then it makes it seem as though we can only focus on a few or one at a time. Yeah. And I think the important part about surfacing this conversation is just to say that, you know, it's okay if we can focus on some of the other, some of the stats related to boys, it doesn't mean that girls' issues are less important. And in yeah. fact, I absolutely advocate to, of course, support, you know, the equitable treatment of all people. 
um, and yeah. particularly those who are disadvantaged. And we know that women and girls are disadvantaged in many, many, many areas. That, that I cannot overstate that enough. And mm. also, in addition, LGBTQ individuals, non-binary individuals, trans people are also um, cannot be overstated enough, disadvantaged in many areas. And mm -hmm. so what I just would like to say is that I think that focusing on this doesn't negate, you know, the importance of talking about those other issues. Um, however, there are so many stats about boys that we just can't ignore. Things yeah. like the decline in friendship, things like the graduation rates. <laughs> Good segue. <laughs> right? Jeez, I'm, I'm on it. Look at that executive functioning. <laughs> <laughs> Look at my exec. That was my executive functioning at Play Baby. That's wow. Right. Um, it's so, so sexy when you executive <laughs> function. Mm. Well, I mean, I, I actually do think it's important to sort of, you know, alongside those stats around you know, how it impacts boys, I think we can also hold space for the fact that, yeah, there's a ton of executive dysfunction happening all around us. Right. And that doesn't mean that, um, you know, the world is going to end or that like the world is going to become a bad place. It just means that we can't ignore some of the really important stats as they relate to boys. Uh, another right. really important one that I'm focusing on, as you know, is the declining fertility in men also. So decrease in sperm counts and the lower lower levels of testosterone in boys too. And so this, all of these, these little factoids and stuff, I say little, yeah. but they're, they're big Huge. ones. Um, if you, if you're able to sort of like look at this stuff and kind of sort through it, the point of the article written by this this person, I still can't, I still don't know how to pronounce their name, but whatever, I'll figure it out. But the person who wrote this article that we're talking about, they kind of bring in this, this theory about atomization. And now if a decline in graduating high school, a decline in fertility, uh, a decline in, um, men, um, not having enough friends or there's like a decline in like close friend circles you're sort of suggesting that all of this is kind of leading to this thing called atomization um do you want to tell us a little bit about that <laughs> well just because i i did write the article i guess I oh could. it's you <laughs> oh you wrote it oh my gosh what oh yeah. shit uh one of one of the things that i I've learned about recently something called atomization, as you were just talking about. It's um, mm -hmm. the sort of notion that things like geographic dispersion and, you know, changes in technology and just changes in the ways that we are like living, working, uh, relating, connecting, all this kind of stuff um, and the, the stats that we were talking about result in a separateness and a siloing of ourselves. And it just means that we're less socially intertwined with one another. And it also just means that we are... Um, more likely to just be by ourselves. And so that's mm. increasing loneliness. It's declining our friendships. Um, it's, you know, causing us to like not engage in help seeking behaviors and like seek social supports. Right. And so that process is called atomization, but the impacts of that are pretty great because, um, and more greatly impacting men specifically because men are less likely to, um, be the social schedulers for their family. They're less likely to, to have um, friends. Um, they're less likely to need that sort of sense of social connection that, that women are more likely to need. Um, of course, I know we're talking about these gender differences in very absolutist terms. And absolutely, mm -hmm. obviously, there are boys and men who are social and 
are the social engagers of their family. Yeah. Just no me, means. just me and Galen just being like, well, we have no friends. Like yeah. Galen and I just being like siloed little things. Yes, Gremlins exactly. on the couch just being like, no, we talk to no one. Right. We're talking about gender roles. We're not talking about gender essentialism, saying that like boys or girls are destined to become certain things. Right. We're just talking about the roles and the boxes that like is pre-prescribed for us. And so because that's more likely on the whole, typically the case, this whole. means that that boys and men are just more uh, more impacted by atomization. And so, okay, so in like common people speak, atomization is the essentially the opposite of like a social connection type of thing where you're you're part of you see yourself as part of like a larger social community where atomization is more so like very singular it's just me my experience is mine and that can manifest in like i don't reach out to people to you know like watch tv shows with or share in the good things and then in turn it's also when i'm having a tough time i just decide like oh i'm gonna fix it on my own i'm gonna deal with it on my own i don't reach out for help mm -hmm. okay yeah and I would say that that has very direct implications for the mental health of boys and men, because when the um, when atomization increases, therefore loneliness is more likely to occur right. in um, in boys and men. What that also does, it sort of does map onto also um, the suicide rates in boys and men as well, which are they are more likely to die by suicide. Um, there are gender differences and there are reasons why that is the case, which we won't get into on this episode. Um, however, I do think that that is a really important like signifier of just how boys and men deal with mental health, right? It's a big kind of sort of notion and question of like, what are the skills and the emotional skill sets, particularly that boys and men have had opportunities to develop um, from a very young age. And so that's why I think it's important to talk about the mental health of boys and men in general, because giving them access to, you know, themselves and their relationships and their supports, like all these kinds of things are going to set them up for success. Mm. Okay, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll focus more on the, the impacts. <laughs> all right, so... We're sort of uh, talking about this sort of notion of atomization and how it really sort of drives us apart. And so I wonder, I think it actually would be helpful to surface some of the solutions here because I do think that there are many solutions that we can take uh, in order to address this sort of notion of atomization. But what I would sort of say as the, the, the preface to this, which is that I, as a therapist, I really am cautious not to provide individual solutions to really complex social problems. So I right. want to just make clear that there are, of course, things that individually boys and men can do, right? Things like, you know, talking more and like, you know, reaching out to friends and, you know, blah, blah, blah. There are individual solutions, absolutely. In this conversation, particularly about boys and men's mental health, I'm really interested in the systemic changes that I think can happen. Some of the differences in the ways that we just are socializing men and boys, or particularly the ways that we are raising boys and men um as, and some of these things that you're gonna you're gonna suggest are not like msw's hot takes like these are things that the the community the therapy the psychology community is like suggesting or developing based off of as the information comes in 
because this yeah. is like an ongoing building plan. Like this is not like a, this is the solution. This is how you <laughs> yeah. fix it. This is kind of like <laughs> the things that are being proposed to help as we sort of at the same time get more information as to why stuff like this is happening. Yeah, I think it's going to take yeah. some creative solutions. And before sharing some of the solutions, I think it is helpful to just to kind of normalize for folks. Like this is this is what's happening with boys right now. Uh, because of this atomized lifestyle, uh, it's causing just a separateness. It's causing boys and men just to feel a lot um, more alone, right? And wanting to just like be separate and by themselves. Mm. And so what that means is that we're seeing a lot more boys being lost to things like video games and YouTube and pornography and gambling apps and, you know, drugs and alcohol, all these other ways of coping just with the stress of, of not necessarily having the skills as it matches with sort of like not having big aspirations or maybe wanting um, uh, to go to university or college or to like get a job, those kinds of things. And mm -hmm. so one of the one of the, the the most important solutions I could say as it relates to kind of going away to school, college, that kind of stuff and around like readiness to kind of become an adult, I would say one of the things that we certainly need to normalize for boys is different professions that don't involve university, college or post-secondary. I feel like there was this big sort of push, this big wave of like, yeah, you have to go get a degree. You have to graduate high school. You have to kind of go do this thing in order to be available for work. And I do think we should just normalize like trade and vocational programs for mm. anyone, for not just boys, but for anyone. I think that there are, we're seeing a huge decline in just the skilled trades in general. Like there are just not as many people going into those professions. And so I think that as a culture, we need to really kind of push people into those those jobs. Okay. You go first. All right. That would be an important solution. No, um, you go first, as in like you tear up your degree, become yeah, a plumber, baby. <laughs> yeah. Pl plumber MSW trade. plumber. Like yeah. we just wake we just wake up one day and you're complete rebrand. MSW mechanic reporting on the scene. <laughs> yeah, um, you you <laughs> But um, I, feelings I, aren't facts. But if you need to fix your garburator at home, <laughs> these are the this is the socket wrench to use. And, you're, and everyone's like, "What?" I mean, as as the son of a carpenter, I do think that um, I, I'm a, I'm a big advocate for for making making and creating and building things with our hands. So I, MSW mechanic is coming your way. I love it. Um, I would say that another one of the things that we can do to encourage boys um to you know just to be their full selves and to be more authentic is to help boys engage in help-seeking behavior i think that's another just really kind of easy low-hanging fruit that parents can do and teachers can do and you know therapists like ourselves like not mm -hmm. you and i but other therapists out there i, uh, I love how you 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 included me in the how <laughs> therapists should do this am i am i honorary honorary therapist now <laughs> Um, being able to encourage um, and, uh, of course, reward and praise help-seeking behavior in boys, I think are just like some really easy ways that we can that we can do. Um, there's another uh, solution that I think is a really creative one. It's not a new one, but it is something that is being suggested again, is uh, to redshirt the boys. That's what people are calling it. And what that means is actually we, we saw like a big redshirting uh, trend happening back in like early 2000s, like into the 2010s. Um, and it was actually started by um, wealthier families. They started to redshirt their boys. 
um, and redshirt actually all their children and specifically the children who they felt needed an advantage in life. And are you so, literally calling like a red, like are we talking about literally a red shirt? Like put them in a red shirt? <laughs> yes, put them in a red shirt and send them to school. So red shirting, red shirting means uh, delaying the start to kindergarten. So having them start uh, a year later in kindergarten. It's a term that comes from uh, college sports, actually, which means oh, that like college in the sports. first tell me more about college, the college sports, sports, Jake. Yeah, as the college sport expert, I have. Yeah, I just want. <laughs> yeah. Which one? Um, <laughs> redshirting is a term that come that originates in college sports, which just says that in the first or second year of uh, sport, you can have mm-hmm. uh, their athletes uh, just attend practices and not play in the games. And so, redshirting their athletes is a way to, of course, increase their preparation to be able to. Um, succeed later so it it gives them a bit of an advantage uh, for when they're starting to play and they're not so green or so brand new um, to the first game so what is the what is the the thing here so you you do you just not let boys enroll into kindergarten the same year that you would put girls for example or that's right and so the the suggestion from experts at this point is is to redshirt the boys again um, and to allow for a delayed start to kindergarten so that they could catch up to their um, uh, same age peers uh, who mm. are of a different gender. I would say that part of the the challenge in doing so, and there are of course many many challenges in doing so, but part of the, um, part of the advantage to doing so is that it gives boys time to grow. It gives time boys time to develop. And we know, and this is also just from decades of research, but we know that as soon as boys get into the classroom with their same age uh, peers who are girls, they they fall behind. They fall behind the girls as soon as they uh, get to school. And so redshirting, it was a practice that was, again, sort of developed with um, wealthier families who wanted to give their kids an advantage in the classroom. And so for us, this was happening mainly for the kids who were born in like the summer um, mm. or who would be entering into kindergarten, maybe as like a, um, uh, the younger uh, grade. Or younger oh, age. right, 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 right. So right. like the kids who were born in like September onwards uh, would be the ones that are more likely to be redshirted and just moved ahead to or held back until the next year so that when they entered the year after, they could actually get a bit of an advantage. Um, and yeah. so some people there were and then crazy. buy alcohol for their peers right exactly because they would be the eldest <laughs> right yeah, so yeah, yeah. There, there were of course some critics of this practice because they felt that it was giving those kids an advantage it was it felt like people were gaming the system a little bit but a lot of researchers are sort of surfacing that trend as a way to actually help boys right now as a way to mm-hmm. um, just give them that a bit of an upper advantage in the education uh, system just noting the gender differences and how they develop and how um, they engage in the classroom. So is that supposed to be like in that time period, whether or not in kindergarten, are they supposed to be doing all the other things like, you know, spending more time, you know, having conversations about <laughs> like, I just remember, imagine like a three-year-old or whatever, but just having more time to like, you know, bond with their father figure or, you know, playing more. Like what is the, what do you do then? in that time you just or just like literally give them more time to get older and have their brain develop that's right giving their brain more time to develop and also just allow for more physical growth as well um, mm. um we, we also see that girls just develop faster than boys too that's why a lot of the girls are 
in like, let's say primary or middle school. That's why a lot of them are taller than all the boys too. And so giving them just like more time kind of in the slow cooker to develop before they get to kindergarten. And mm. before the, of course, like the, the extra tasks of being school age, um, like things like test taking and things like, like having to access those like, executive functions at the earlier ages, like things like do, learning math and spelling and reading and writing and all those types of things, uh, which right. just give boys more time. And so I think that's really the big call, which is that boys need more time. And I guess in that time, that's where you kind of are, uh, give them more of the tools and more time to develop the tools or whatever. You know what I think about? This might deviate the conversation a little bit, but back in my day when I was in university, um, I took a children's literature course. Mm. And one of the things that we, the commentary or one of the things that we sort of explored was because children's literature used to be very neutral, like just children's things used to be very neutral. And then it, it kind of became like a marketing ploy, like even the introduction of like blue for boy, pink for girls, like that was part of like, um, of movement towards, um, I think it's timed when parents and the technology were able to sort of understand what like the, the assigned sex of their baby was at mm -hmm. birth. Right. And so they could like prepare and so then marketing, I think, was like, oh, they're going to be buying things. So why don't we start marketing things that are specific for like that assigned gender? So I wonder um, in that conversation, but also in, in this class, one of the things we were sort of looking at were like, look at the things, look at the children's literature, look at the children's TV, look at the like kids stuff that's for boys and look at the things that are for girls and look at the right. different sort of like lessons or whatever that are sort of like subconsciously like I don't know taught to them and one of the big things that still sticks to me to this day is that when I think about like the television shows that I watched growing up where the main character was a boy the through line was always wanting to be the best and winning and it was always about sort of like competing to get ahead mm -hmm. and it was all about like solving something and you needed to like you had to do this. Like it, it always comes down to you, you and someone else, an opponent. So there's, that was the thing. I think of Pokemon, think of any of those things, but then you flip it on the flip side and you see like, what were the television shows that were geared towards girls? And they were all about like community building friendship, like Helping. strawberry shortcake was like, she had all her little shortcake friends, you know, you, and, thinking about that i now can't help but look at look out for those things and even today i think like as much as we love our our pixars and our cocoa melons and our paw patrols i wonder what the impact is of having television shows that are so specifically geared towards one type of gender what the lessons are sort of like subconsciously being imbued in that as well as just even, I don't know if this is real, but I wonder what it's like to watch someone as a kid, like a like a Pixar 3D cell animation person that's emulating human behavior, but they're not real. Mm -hmm. I actually wonder that. And I think we I think we praise Pixar and we praise like Disney animation for like, whoa, look at this new storyline. But I actually wonder if it's like we're watching Elsa break down and have this like emotional thing over the loss of her parents 
but she's not a real human being. She's a 3D cell animation Pixar thing generated by a computer, generated by a human being. Versus what if we actually saw a human being have those real behaviors? And I'm just kind of curious about that. Like, what is the impact? Because there's definitely been a rise in like, I don't know, this like 3D animation type of stuff where it's like, let's make these characters look kind of human, but like not human enough. But if those are the only ways that kids are sort of seeing and exploring these big feelings and accessing these emotions and storylines or whatever, but they're not coming from real people. It's interesting. I mean, even if you look at like back with the cartoons, right? Like the the Disneyfication or cartoonification, the Looney Tuneification, whatever it yeah. is, of all these human experiences that you're talking about. I think that part of where for me, at least as a mental health professional, what kind of comes to surface is like, what are the themes that are being explored? And what is our entry point or access point into that conversation? Right. And so, you know, it may have impacts, but I think that there are also similar questions around like, well, what are the impacts of like really violent cartoons on yeah. kids? And what sort yeah. of came to the surface through research was that there wasn't actually a big impact. It actually had more to do with um what are the behaviors that people are translating into real life? And so I think mm. it's an interesting question you're raising, which is what are the behaviors that will come into real life, right? Like of yeah. course seeing the normalization of discussions about emotions and really big thoughts and our feelings displayed for us on screen. I think all that's really important for representation and normalizing. Yeah. And I wonder if it does to a point over index um, the weight or the seriousness or the um, yeah, I mean, I, I think me talking about mental health is important, but we're not meant to yeah. talk about mental health all the time. Yeah. Talking about feelings is important, but we're not meant to talk about feelings all the time. And so I, I would just wonder like what that question around like gender roles and like what is actually like what is a masculine gender norm and what is it actually meant to do and what is it meant to teach? Uh, not right. just boys, but what is it meant to teach our culture just in general? And we know that anytime there's deviation from those gender norms, then we experience that gender role strain I was just I was talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. And for boys especially, when they experience a gap between their real self and their ideal self-concept, that creates stress, that creates a sense of, oh, I'm not, you know, living up to the standard of masculinity. I'm not living up to the standard of norms or what other boys are supposed to be. So right. I think that like all the stuff, all the real stuff in real life shows up on screen. And I think it's reflected back to us kind of like a mirror. No, but that's where that's the, the extra layer where I'm curious about, which is like, if we're only exploring those things off of 3d AI generated looking people, mm -hmm. the cartoons where it's like, it's a monster or it's a bunny, or it's like a cartoon and you know, an anamorphic thing that's not normally real. I can kind of understand like the abstracting of these things and, you know, packing it up in like a fun cute way and throwing it back at people but it's the thing that i'm i wonder about is the people like we're seeing more and more like ai generated looking people yes. and they're the ones who are displaying and modeling the emotional behavior and i wonder if it's like if that's the only way that kids are seeing that or that is the most prominent way that kids are seeing it like Elsa's not real, you know, like 
any of like Riley from Inside Out is not real. Like she's not her feelings and her story and her emotions and everything she's going through is a is a real experience, but she's not real. But I'm just I just wonder, I'm just curious about like the impact that might be having on like this generation of kids of like, are we seeing the same level of like emotional vulnerability or access or whatever in our real life adults around us? Or is it only happening on like whatever Pixar decides to throw together? I'm just I'm just curious about like things that aren't like things that aren't real human beings being emulated as human beings but emotionally we feel they are real but they're not am i making sense like i'm just curious about this a ton, it's it's making a ton of sense and i think for me at least as it maps onto the mental health aspect of that yeah what really comes to the surface is when our real life and what we experience in our real family doesn't look like how it looks like on screen or right. looks like in the, the tv and so i think the the first layer that's important is what you were identifying, which is that I think it's good to talk about it. Um, it's good to sort of, you know, have things out there and have representation. But to mm-hmm. your point, like what happens when it doesn't actually uh, materialize in our real life? Yeah, right. I, that's a fascinating point that I probably haven't given enough thought to. Yeah. To talk and bringing it back to our conversation here with like boys, I'm only noticing in my sample size of like young boys that I have like nephews Mm -hmm. or like little cousins like that I have access to are like really small. So my sample size sample pool is really small, but I just noticed the ways that they sort of like access conversation sometimes about things to be like, whatever, what's the Paw Patrol guy's name? Jet or whatever. Let's call him Jet. Sure. Like it's like, oh, Jet does this or like Jet did this. And you're kind of like, talking as if this thing is real which is fine right like let's use this to open up the conversation but i'm just curious about like wait is jet the only way that you're seeing like a boy character a boy or in or a man in your life like be emotionally available Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. i mean i'm I'm just curious i'm just curious i'm just i say this out of like i i i just there's something kind of missing about the conversation about like the 3D AI looking human beings that come out of like the Pixar land and how it's, I don't know, it's it's trying to be a human being and emulating a human being. And I wonder what that impact is for kids. In, in terms of what you were saying, just as, you know, on-screen representation for girls, I wonder if like boys actually need that. I mean, I yeah, we know that boys are more visual. They're more they they learn through like seeing things and experiencing things and and learn through pictures. And so I do wonder like what that actually would mean for boys to have that representation on screen. It could actually be a portal. It could be an entry point into oh, like life can be this way. I think about yeah. my own experience with one of my favorite shows as a kid, Arthur. Yeah. That was the first time I saw another boy who was like me. He was helping his friends. Yeah. He was helping his friends. He was like kind of He wore glasses. The, <laughs> yes. He was on the playground, like managing his social relationships. He was yeah. like kind of going through all these dilemmas. Wasn't a remember, competition. Like he was just kind of like navigating. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm and with you. He, 
he's actually one of the the things that inspired me to become a therapist because I was very much like, oh, like this little kid can be a helper too. And that was like my early exposure to like seeing another thing or being my age that yeah. was also doing pro-social and helping behavior. And yeah. I think that part of, I really had that helping part in me. It was like, I just want to help. I just like kind of want to be involved in the helping of things. Yeah. And so I was always a helper in the classroom. I was always kind of like solving my friends as like, social problems on the playground. Yeah. And I was really into that. I liked I liked like helping build community and I think that if I didn't have Arthur, who knows like what that would have translated into. So I see the I I see the positive and negative aspects of it and I do wonder that the more closer our media or our technology resembles human like behavior, yes. I wonder if that will create like more of like a risk than uh, yeah. us being able just to separate like okay, that's not real. And that yeah. is real. Oof. Agreed. Yeah. Like Arthur was a 2D right. animation. He was an aardvark. Like yeah. there, you could, it was an automatic abstraction and it like a line. I mean, I, same, like I still had the same emotional resonance with Arthur. I have an art, I had an Arthur themed birthday. There's a photo. I'm going to see if I can get it for my mom. So did I. Did you? Okay. <laughs> yes, try to get the picture. There's literally too. a photo of me uh, and I have a cake and it's an Arthur cake. I'm going to see if I can get it. Simon, I had that too. We both had yeah. Arthur birthday parties. Yeah. Okay. See if you can get the photo and I'll see if I can okay. get my photo. I definitely uh, and then will. maybe we'll post it. But um, this is all to say, okay, why don't we wrap this conversation up? Because we kind of, we got into it. And, but I think overall final thoughts for me is like th having these conversations about um, where, where boys are at and where we're, we're seeing sort of the trends of where they're headed I think their conversations like this could could help maybe sort of normalizing these like things where we're, you know, our own feelings about like, are we even allowed to like sort of focus on the boys right now? And even sort of say like, oh yeah, hold on a second. Like there's room for, there's room for everyone. There's room to address all the problems right now. We don't have to, we don't have to extract resources from one group and then siphon them all the way to the other you know like we can kind of we share the planet with with boys and men we should i don't know we should maybe help them <laughs> we mm -hmm. should set them up a little bit better so that we can avoid our ted cruises of the world our right this is not a conversation about men's rights we're not talking about no. like you know how you know boys and men are like completely suffering and the department of not having access and opportunity. I think we're no. talking about like, well, how come even if opportunity and access and privilege is there, why are boys and men still failing and why are they still suffering at the rates that they are? Yeah. And I guess for me, my final statement about this is that we need to just remember that boys have feelings too. I know that's like, it seems like such a, an obvious statement to make, but it's mm -hmm. so easy to look at boys as unemotional because I think many are taught to have a big strong front and to look as if they have it all together. And yeah. I, I'm just, yeah, such a firm advocate for giving boys access to that emotional caregiving that we give so freely to girls. Um, and so freely, I think, to a lot of LGBTQ kids as well. Um, you know, to varying degrees, obviously. Um, yeah. Many, many, many LGBTQ kids obviously do not get emotional caregiving that they need as well. However, I do think that, um, to your point, we can focus on all of it for sure. Okay. Should we do, 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 and then wrap this puppy up? Let's do it.
Let's do it. Let's do it, do it, do it, do it. Every day when you're walking down the street, okay, everybody that you meet has an original point of view. And I say, hey. <laughs> what a wonderful kind of day. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> um, welcome back to the Arthur podcast. Um, thank you. Thank you for today. I, I like when we kind of, it felt like we got, we went, we went down the rabbit hole. Um, and now in an effort to resurface, do we have, we have time for this? We have time for I this. Think, let's do it. Let's just do it quick. Let's rapid fire. So what we did was that we asked the lovely listeners out there, what is something that became clear to you as you got older? We've used this prompt a couple of times, but just because y'all submit such wonderful things and they just, there's always just so much to pull from. So we pulled out the archives, this prompt, and we're just going to rapid fire some of your lovely listener uh, submissions to the question of what is something that became clear to you as you got older? So Jake, if you want to go first. This one I think is just really uh, funny because it rings true. It says, nobody truly knows what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> like fair. Um, this one says, not everyone thinks like me. Mm. Very true. This one says I do that I need to remember to re remind. Well, I'll try that again. <laughs> This one says that I need to mind my own business in every sense and level of the words. Ooh, that's that like main character energy. Minding our own business. Minding our own business. This one says, I need to live for myself and not my parents' expectations. Mm, and maybe in that same vein, this one says that there's actually nothing that I have to do. There's nothing that you mm. have to do. Yeah. Mm. I guess it's a choice. Uh, one more each. Yep. Cool. So this one says boundaries. Just good old boundaries. Boundaries became clearer as you got older. I love that. These these last two actually are very similar. They're, this one says that I don't have to do what I think is expected of me. And then the one right beside it says there's no right way to move through life. I mm. think that couldn't be more true. Okay. Wow. Thank you so much, everyone, for being here. Um, this was episode 75, which means <gasps> new color scheme. Hello. New color scheme. Here we come. Here we new come. Colors. What's it going to be? What I color's next? Vote below. Episode um, 76. Yeah. If you like uh, what you heard, as always, follow us at Not A Therapy Podcast. Follow this podcast. Share it. Rate it. Send it to an enemy. Um, like, comment, subscribe. We love all of those things and we love hearing from you. So make sure you send us a little cute little message um, if you've seen fit. I love it. I love it. Jake hates it, but personally, I love it. Personally, I love to hate it. <laughs> I love to hate it. Um, all right. That's for it for now. Coming. Thanks for popping in. We'll see you next yeah. time. Yeah. Grab Bye. a goodie bag on the way out. Bye. What's in our goodie bag? <laughs> <laughs>